The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you too well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you for everything that has brought us here to this morning, Lord. Thank you for three years of having the privilege and the joy of serving you. Thank you for all the people that you have brought to be part of this family, Lord. I thank you for just this opportunity this morning to serve you once again, Lord. Lord, open up our hearts and our ears this morning as we receive this message. I pray that you would take away any distractions and that you would speak clearly to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, thank you, Janie. All right, if you got your Bibles, turn to Jonah chapter four. Uh, that's where we're going to be finishing today. And uh, if this is your first time here, welcome. My name is Randall. I'm the lead pastor. Um, and it's been exciting to see over these three years how much God has worked in people's lives. At the end of the day, it's it's not uh, any person. It, it's God. I truly believe that. And uh, this morning, I was able to talk a little bit with my kids. I've got three kids, and, um, you know, they, they find their way into our room early, early, early in the morning, like 5.30 early in the morning. And so they were in there, um, and me and my wife were talking, and I just turned to them, and I said, hey, um, you know what today is? They said, no. I said, today there's a birthday. They're like, Really? I was like, yeah. And my little sister's like, Grace City, birthday, yeah. And, and so I said, do you know the thing about Grace City? I said, you guys don't, you don't, you might not even know this, that you were like the first members of Grace City. <laughs> you didn't even know that, you know, but thank you. Thank you for being a part of it, um, unknowingly. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting to, to know that, you know, my family, it's, it's impacted us. It's impacted our kids, uh, me and my wife, um, in a profound way. And so we are deeply grateful to be a part of this church. And, um, and so, yeah, very thankful. Uh, so we're in this series right now, uh, the book of Jonah. And, and we're, we're finishing up here. And the tagline for this series has been learning to love a city. 
And so what we've seen throughout is this prophet, Jonah, who God appoints and says, I want you to go to Nineveh, who it was a different people group. It wasn't uh, his culture, his people. It was a different people. And so God is saying, go, I want you to go tell these people this different culture about me. And Jonah, a prophet of God, runs in the other direction. He doesn't do what God asks him to do. And so we've been studying about what's really going on in the heart of this prophet. What's going on in the heart of Jonah that he would run like this? And so as we get to the the final chapter, uh, I want to remind us of why we're here why God placed us here. We, Brooke just shared it in the announcements. We share it every week. Our, our vision is to be a church for our city that seeks new life in Jesus. And so the thing that we believe is that God calls us to the city to go and make a difference. And so it's, it's, it's not much different from the call that God gave Jonah. God says, go love this city Go share with this city about who I am. And so that's the why of why Grace City is here. But very much like Jonah, we can get into this thing where it just becomes about us. Where we get caught up in ourselves and we think, okay, that's a great vision. That's a great idea to be a people for the city. But really, what does that look like? And how does that work into my everyday life? See, because... That love that we're talking about here is not natural. It's not something that's just within us, but it's something that God grows in our hearts. It's learning to love a city. See, we want our love to grow for our city, our community, our neighborhood, because we believe that God placed us here. And so we've been going through this book of Jonah and just saying, God, how do you develop a heart of love for a community of people that might look different than us, that might act different than us, that might have different beliefs than us? How do you love? What does that look like? And so our text that we're going through today is Jonah chapter four, verses five through 11. And the final message of this series is this. As we wrap up on our three-year anniversary, it's God's heart for the city. God's heart for the city. When it all boils down to it, What's God's heart for the city? Because that's really what's going to change our heart for the city. So we asked, why did we plant Grace City three years ago? I want to show a picture real quick. This is a picture from our first preview service uh, three years ago. That was, that was the group that came together. I looked at the group that came and set up this morning. I said, I think there are more people that are here setting up this morning than were in that group picture um, that day. But why? Why did we come together and, and, and believe that God was calling us to plant a church? Because deep down, it's this, it's this root, root level, like heart level belief that It's this, that God loves people. God loves cities. And we believe that God ultimately loves America's finest city, San Diego. We believe that. You know, this week I got to sit down with one of my friends, uh, Jordan. He planted a church in Harlem, New York four years ago. And so he helped me during the church planting process and he, cause he was a year ahead. And so when we were about to plant, I was like, Jordan, you gotta help me out, man. I don't know what I'm doing. 
And uh, he, he helped me a ton. But, you know, I got to sit with him this past week for uh, dinner. And in listening to him, here's one of the things he said. He said, you know, it was, it was, it was a sermon that changed my heart for uh, a community. The, the, the message was on this particular text. He said, I was sitting, listening to a pastor talk about this particular text in Jonah chapter four. And he said, after, after sitting through this message, I thought to myself, I'm in. I'm in. I want to be a person for the city. I want to do what God is calling me to do in the, the community. So for, for him, he felt called to back to his home in Harlem, New York. He got this vision that God loved Harlem. And so my prayer is that we get this vision that God loves San Diego. And that deep down somewhere after we listen to what God says about Nineveh, that we come to the conclusion and say, I'm in. God, I'm in. I want to learn what it looks like to have a heart like you have. What is going on here is it should compel our hearts to love a city. See, it's when we hear God's heart that it changes us. And here's what he says in the last verse that we're going to read here and study here. In this text, he says, God says, should I not be concerned about that great city? Concerned. See, what holds us back from having the same heart like God? Again, it's the very same things that Jonah struggle with that are so relevant to us today. It's, it's, it's the place where God uncovers our complacency, our fear, our discomfort, our exclusiveness, our selfishness. It's the reason why many of us have come here today feeling like we have no purpose. I just feel like I'm floating around, to use a term from Forrest Gump, accidental-like. You just feel like you're floating around like a, a feather floating in the wind, accidental-like. Why am I so empty inside? Timothy Keller says this about this text. He says, over and over and over again, God says to this prophet, I want you to go to and I want you to love that great, big, huge, dangerous city. So what he is doing is he is calling Jonah out of a homogenous place where everybody looked like him and believed like him into the big city. He's calling Jonah out of a safe place, a comfortable place, a familiar place into the big city. Over and over he does it. That's the call of God. Go to the great city. Love the great city. You see, if it was up to Jonah, he would have opted for a more comfortable life. But God thrust him into a situation he didn't want to be in. And up to this point, it took a storm. It took a great fish. And finally, he's thrust into this great city to go preach against it. And last week we looked, what happens? God has this, he moves in a powerful way. There's a revival that happens in Nineveh. They believed God and in Jonah's heart, after this revival happens, is revealed. And it's ugly. It's ugly. So our text today is Jonah 4, 5 through 11. And what are we supposed to learn from the book of Jonah? 
Let me suggest three parts of the story that will help connect the dots for us today as we finish up and wrap up this book. Here's the three parts. Number one, there is a bitter prophet. A bitter prophet. Number two, a powerful illustration. And three, a compassionate God. A bitter prophet, a powerful illustration, a compassionate God. So the first point as we're looking at this text today comes from verse five, a bitter prophet. So, okay, Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city, made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. And so what we find here is Jonah He has this argument with God in in prayer. And then he just, God asks him a question. He says, basically, why are you angry? And Jonah gets up and leaves. He, He gets up, he says, I'm leaving, I'm out of here. And so what's happening here is Jonah is isolating himself. He's isolating himself. And I I want you to know today that there's a difference between isolation and seclusion. Here's a simple definition. Isolation is getting away from people and God. Seclusion is getting away with God. Okay? Jonah is isolating himself from people and from God, saying, I don't want anything to do with you, God. I don't want anything to do with these people. I'm going to get as far away as I can from them. He was done. He was finished. So much so that he says, Lord, take my life, I'm done. And his sole focus was on himself. Um, As I said, this past week, I got to go to New York City. I was sitting there with my friend uh, Jordan, but also got to just kind of be around in the city. Uh, We were doing some trainings out there and uh, got on the subway and I saw a guy with a t-shirt. He gets on. It says, people, dot, 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 not the biggest fan. And so I, I want you to, to just picture that t-shirt and Jonah's wearing it. <laughs> right? Like that is the shirt that Jonah's wearing. People, not the biggest fan. And, and when I saw that on the subway, I was like, okay, I'm going to go over here. Right? Like <laughs> he doesn't want to be around anybody right now. That's what's happening here in Jonah's life. Jonah is isolating himself. He's saying, I'm finished. And here's why. It's because, number one, God didn't give him what he wanted. God didn't give him his way. And second, he personally had a strong, strong dislike for the people of Nineveh. Like a deep-rooted Dislike that was like deep down inside of him. Now, for us to understand why Jonah was so angry, we, we need to understand his culture. See, there, there are different parts of the Bible that are harder for us to understand because of our cultural lenses. And for Jonah, it was the idea that Nineveh could be so evil, so corrupt, and not receive any type of judgment. See, he wanted them to pay for all the wrong they've done. And he wanted that payment now. 
right? Like we talked about, this group of people were known to be ruthless people, violent people. Jonah wanted justice. He wanted something to be done. Theologian Mirslav Wolf helps us to think about this When he says, imagine your community is attacked, family and friends are killed, atrocities are done. And then you take a Bible verse and you tell this this people group, you must forgive your enemies. Wolf says, your point to them, we should not retaliate? Why not? Because God doesn't judge. And then Vol says, I say, the only means of prohibiting violence by us is to insist the violence is only legitimate when it comes from God. Violence thrives today secretly nourished by the belief that God refuses to take the sword. See, one of the things that, that we struggle with in the scriptures is the very thought that God could be a judge. The, the wrath of God, any of these things. But yet it is very present in scripture. And so we have trouble with it because we think, well, I haven't had anything like that happen to me before. And people, you know, it's not that bad. We should just forgive and love our enemies. But when you come to a different people group, like Miroslav Wolf is talking about here, you say there's no judgment. There aren't going to be things made right. My only solution, my only answer is that I go and make things right. Right? That's what he's saying. Like, there's something deep within us that wants justice. And so let's just say for a moment that Jonah may have some legitimate reasons for his bitterness. May have some reasons for his deep-seated anger. But ultimately, and this is the problem, his bitterness is rooted in the belief that he has the right to bring down judgment on the people of Nineveh. And he doesn't trust God that God is going to make things right and be the perfect judge. See, this is important. Again, listening to one pastor who started a ministry from people that were in a 12-step program. And a part of the 12-step program is that you believe that there's a higher power. And so anybody that comes to him and says, you know, I have a higher power. And he says, well, so do I. Mine is the God of the Bible. And then he says, who's your higher power? And he says, well, you know, it's, I can't really explain. I just believe he's kind of out there. He said, this is the question he asked. He says, does your higher power ever disagree with you? I said, well, No doesn't really disagree with me. He says, oh, okay. Well, then you're the higher power then. And then he says, let me tell you about the real higher power. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Here's what's happening. Jonah's struggling because his higher power is disagreeing with him. 
And he's bitter. And he's upset. And God knows this. And so next, God uses this powerful illustration. We can see it in verses six through nine. Now the Lord God appointed a plan and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. There's this powerful illustration that God is using here in Jonah's life. Sinclair Ferguson says about this, he says, the word, uh, in Jonah, the word Jonah 4.6 translated discomfort or grief or misery is the same word, a Hebrew word, which was used of the wickedness of the Ninevites in Jonah 1.2 and the destruction which God had threatened in Jonah 3.10. Just as God protected Jonah through the plant, he had shown the same protection to Nineveh through his compassion and grace. Now, there's some things that God is teaching Jonah through this illustration. Jonah is shown that, number one, he's just as deserving of God's judgment as the Ninevites were. He's just as deserving. It says that he was sitting there in misery. Misery. Angry misery. But he was just as deserving Two, he loved plants more than people. That's what this illustration is showing him, that he loved plants more than people. And number three, that he had the capacity for compassion, but his compassion was more for that plant than the people that God was calling him to. It was more self-motivated than others motivated. See, many times it's not just through words that we get God's message, but it's by being shown. Many times that's what we need. We, we need to be shown, not just told. God is practically showing Jonah the foolishness of his ways. He's being shown how radically sinful his heart was. That it wasn't just the Ninevites that he was eyeing down and saying they needed judgment. No, it was him. What this tells us is that as Jonah grew up knowing God, knowing God's word, that we can be just as deceived as him. See, the same things that will keep us from associating with people that don't look like us and that aren't like us, the things that make us feel superior to other people, are the same things that rattled around in Jonah's heart. You see, again, this is what we've been talking about the whole time. God wants something for Jonah, not from Jonah. 
Like God could have done anything to go into Nineveh and change Nineveh. Like it could have been any means that God could have done. But he chose for it to be through this wayward prophet that needed much grace. See, God is concerned about Jonah's character and he's changing him from the inside out by confronting his sin. And so lastly, we see the third point, a compassionate God. A compassionate God. Look at verses 10 through 11. And the Lord said, that's what the Lord says. You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle. Look at God's heart in verse 11 when he says, should I not I pity Nineveh? The word for pity means to be moved with compassion. Should I not have compassion on that great city? And should God not have compassion on Jonah as he's had the whole time? Right? It's this life-changing compassion that God is showing towards Nineveh that he's showing to Jonah. And in this text, God is doing two things. God is, number one, arguing for the city. He's arguing for the city. He's saying, don't I have the right to have compassion on people that I created? that I sustained, right? There are people right now that we might be thinking, these are people that I just detest. I can't be around them. It hurts me internally to be around this person. But yet God is looking at them and saying, those are people that I created. It's that we don't come across anyone and lock eyes with anyone that was not created in the image of God created by him. God is arguing for the city. Number two, he's calling Jonah back into the city. He's calling him to go back again. Verse 11, there, there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle. God cares more about people than plants. He made people in his image. And he is painting the picture of the people of Nineveh. Spiritually, they've had no one to help them. So they're childlike. They don't know their right hand from their left. It's funny, like my son's in karate. And when they, they say, okay, kick with your left, he's like, He's kicking with his right. Like, wrong, wrong left. <laughs> the thing is, like, it takes time. It takes learning. Like, I was trying to teach my daughter, like, her right and her left. I was like, here's how you know your left. You can put it out there, you know, and you can see the L, and this one's on L. And she's like, they both look like L's to me. <laughs> you know, like, uh, doesn't help. And so God is saying, as a, as a father 
to a child. I, I want you to go into the city. I want you to go back into the city and to teach these people about me. To teach these people about me. It's a call back into the city. And so just some takeaways. Let's ask these three, or three questions. Number one, these are scary questions, but I'm gonna ask them because it comes from the text. Will we own our bitterness before God? Will we own our bitterness before God? What usually brings out the bitterness that lives in our hearts? People. People. That's what does. And, and so my question is, who are the hardest people for you to love? Who are the hardest people for you to love? You know, for me, it, being transparent, for me, there have been times where people have, ever since I was a kid, like I, I lived in Hawaii and then we moved to Indianapolis and it was like a culture shock for me. And I remember walking down the hallways and kids making fun of me because of my race, because of the way I looked. And so there was this thing that's like started in my heart this bitterness that just kind of rattled around in there, this anger. And so for me, that, that bitterness, if, if, if it's not handled by God, it's hard for me to love people because I still get looked at today and people are like, you know, like, what is he? Hmm. How old is he? Hmm. <laughs> Literally, like, I, there are people who are like sitting there having full on conversations about my age and race right in front of me, and I'm not in the conversation. <laughs> like, how are you going to figure that out? You know? <laughs> That's hard for me. There's something for you. What is it for you? You know Jonah's response in that moment? It was bitterness and isolation. I said, well, I'm just going to get away from people like that. I don't want to be around people like that. I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to be mad and angry and upset, and I'm just going to point them out and say, God, bring down judgment on them. Isolation, bitterness, and that'll eat you up. It'll eat you up. So my question is, are you, are you isolating yourself? Or are you filled with bitterness in your heart? Have you cut yourself off from relationships because you're harboring something deep in there? See, we need God to address these places in our lives and, and acknowledge, yes, I have bitterness, I have resentment, I have anger, I have sin. Instead of lying, being transparent and saying, yes, I, I, I'm not just being transparent about it, but I need God I need God. You know the great hope of this book? It's that as we read how transparent Jonah is, you say, well, what happened to Jonah? He wrote the book and he was able to write down how foolish he was. It's when you own, like how can you write down like the worst things about yourself in a short little book like this and say, okay, this is for everybody to read now. It's when you've dealt with it. It's when God's dealt with it. You want to know Christianity in a nutshell? Here it is. God saves sinners. 
God saves sinners. We can go back to Jonah 2. When he knew this, he says, salvation belongs to the Lord. Jonah 2.10. Here's the thing about being a Christian. It's looking within, it's being transparent and saying, I need God. My character has huge gaps. My love has huge gaps. My compassion has huge gaps. I have anger, bitterness, rage. I'm harboring all these things inside. I'm a mess. I need Jesus. It's being willing to say to Jesus, you're all I have. Pastor Thomas Wilcox once said, in all the scripture, there is not one condemning word spoken against a poor sinner stripped of self-righteousness. Let sin break your heart, but not your hope in the gospel. God comes in and he says, I love sinners. I'm compassionate toward sinners. I'm compassionate toward people like Nineveh and I'm compassionate toward people like Jonah. The self-righteous person who thinks they have it all together and the group of people who are so far off they don't know their right hand from their left. But it's owning our bitterness and saying, I need God. Second question is, will we see the value of people over possessions? Let's be honest. Do we care more about possessions than people in our life? I was on a trip with my family. We were going towards um, Palm Springs. And I saw on the way out there, there was a, a huge dinosaur. Like, I gotta get a picture with that dinosaur. We need to get a picture with that. My family, we need to get a picture with that dinosaur. So it's on the way to Palm Springs. It's huge because it was from a movie that I watched when I was a kid. I gotta get a picture with that. And so on the way back home, I told my wife, Laura, I was like, hey, we need to get a picture with that dinosaur. I'm gonna go off real quick. Like, Great. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna gather the kids together. And, and Laura, can you just take a picture real quick? Not too long before that, I got an iPhone 7. And so she's taking the picture and she's stepping back and literally, it was like slow motion. She just goes, whoa! The, the iPhone goes flying and and I'm just frozen. And I will confess to you, I ran to the iPhone first before I did my wife. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? Isn't that terrible? Here's the thing. My wife is more important than that iPhone 7. But there's something wrong with me. The Ninevites, in every way, they were ruthless, they were savage people, but God had mercy, compassion, and love for them. And he cared for them so deeply that he looked at Jonah and said, they are more important than that plant that was there for a minute. Because nobody's talking about iPhone 7s anymore. You know what I mean? It's like, but we don't, like in that moment, we get tested. And really deep down, do we believe that people are, are, are more valuable than possessions? Do we believe that? And if we do, last question, will we join God in his love for the city? 
Timothy Keller finishes out, I think this is really helpful. He says this, you get to the very end and this is the last time God comes to Jonah. He says, look, Jonah, I asked you once and you blew it. I put you into a fish. I asked you twice and you blew it. (laughs) Now I'm asking you one more time, will you come with me in my project in spreading the city of God into the human city, spreading the city of love and service into the city of power and selfishness. Will you come with me in doing that? God is giving Jonah a fresh start and he's doing the same for us today. He's doing the same for us today. Maybe we've overlooked this for a long time, but God is saying, will you hear me this time? Will you hear me this time? You say, well, how do I do it? It's not gonna come from you. It's not gonna come from your strength. It's not gonna come from my strength. It it, it only comes truly in our hearts when God takes this heart of stone and, and changes it into a heart of flesh. You know how that happens? It's when we see Jesus coming into the city, Jerusalem, dying for it, resurrecting. It's when we see Jesus saying words like this as he looks over Jerusalem, which was about to kill him in Matthew 23, 37 through 39. He says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. See, your house has left you to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. See, it's when we see the one, the greatest one, the one who looked not at the city in disdain, but looked at it and said, I just wish I could gather you together and show you the love, the love. And it's when we experience his love in our hearts that he changes us. And our heart starts to become like his heart. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your kindness. I thank you for your love. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that we listen, ears ready to hear, eyes ready to see what you have for us right in front of us. And I pray that today, if there's anyone here that is wondering, could Jesus be for me? Could Jesus love me? That they experience that love today because it's true. A fresh start is available for all of us because of what Jesus has done. We pray this all in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.